0: We've had many reasons to give thanks all week long, and I think stands at the top of the stack, the name in which we gather. And if you're here, extended family and friends, over the holiday weekend, we're glad that you've come. Thanksgiving week, traditionally in the church world, also ushers us into a transition into a season that for centuries the church has set aside to prepare us for the coming of Christ's birth. It's called the season of Advent. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It's got kind of a, a two-fold purpose to it. There's a looking back aspect to Advent where you look back on all of the promises of God, particularly the way that God promised a Messiah would come. And we look back and we remember that a Messiah did come. And we will culminate that on Christmas Eve when we all gather here to celebrate that. And then there's a looking forward aspect to Advent. And it's the looking forward to Jesus' promise that he said, I will what? Return. I will come back. And there should be an anticipation and excitement, enthusiasm, just as it was for the first arrival of the Messiah for his return. And so there's this twofold, looking back and looking ahead. And we're going to be doing that over this next month under the banner of the way. We're looking at the many ways that Jesus is the way the many ways that Jesus is the way. And today, we're starting out the series in John chapter 14. So if you haven't already done so, open up your Bibles, grab the note sheet you were handed on the way in the door, kind of follow along there. Here's a dialogue that Jesus had with one of his disciples named Thomas. Thomas was struggling with a particular, like, departure. He's like, Jesus is going to leave them, and he's been telling them he's going to leave them. And here's what Thomas says in verse 5 saying to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So you see, Thomas is focused on one thing, hey, you're physically leaving us, and I want to know your physic, where you're physically going so I can know the way to physically be reunited with you. And Jesus answers, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is one of Jesus' six I am statements in his gospel. So if you want to jot these down, there's in John 6, I'm the bread of life. In John 8, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And then John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 15, he says, I am the vine. And then here in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this morning, what I'd like us to see together is the connection between Jesus' way with Jesus' truth and Jesus' life. Because it's when Jesus' truth is wedded with Jesus' way that we experience Jesus' life. I don't know about you, but maybe you've been on the receiving end of those who've had all kinds of Jesus' truth. They had all kinds of answers. They had a chapter and verse for every question Uh, They had spiritual knowledge. They had religious information. But somewhere along the way, all that Jesus truth got divorced and hijacked from Jesus way and the net result was no Jesus life because it's only when Jesus truth is intersected with Jesus way do we really experience Jesus life. And there's a whole bunch of Jesus truth that's being done and things being done under the banner of Jesus truth not done Jesus way. And the net result is no Jesus life. I remember back in the mid-90s, that's so far back, kids are in here with us today and students, way back in the mid-90s, back when phones had like a cord, kids, they had a cord, it was spiraled, it was attached. The phone was attached to the wall, like in the kitchen. You're looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. And you couldn't leave from the distance that the cord would be to the phone. Kids, that's how it used to be. And it was a big deal in our house when we talked mom into getting like a 10-foot extension on the cord. Because we wanted to go like down the little basement stairwell and have a private conversation. The privacy you got was the distance of the cord. So kids, you should rejoice you are living in 2015 right now. No cords. And you know what? When we wanted to rent a movie back in the mid-early 90s, Kids, do you know what we had to do? We actually had to drive to a store. We had to watch a movie in the house. We had to drive to a store. Can you believe it? And not only do we have to like get a movie on this huge thing called a VHS tape, you don't even know what that is. Ask your parents about a VHS tape. And then you know what? Most of us in our households back then, we didn't even have a VCR in our homes. So you know what we had to do? We had to rent the actual device to play the movie on. So you'd walk out of the movie store with this like suitcase thing. And it'd be like your movie bag. And then you'd go home and you'd plug all the wires in and you push the tape in. You don't believe me, do you, kids? You're looking at me like, what is pastor talking about up there? Way back in the mid-90s, when I first went into pastoral ministry, I was invited to something I had never experienced before, a pastor's conference. I didn't know such a thing existed. And so I'd previously worked at Eli Lilly for three years. I'd gone to some systems analyst conferences. I kind of got the conference scene and what that was. I just didn't know pastors did that. So I was pretty excited to learn and grow from those who were wiser and much more experienced farther down the road with this whole thing called pastoral ministry, and I was so encouraged when I would get around those pastors' conferences and I met some wonderful men and women who were filled with hope and joy and courage and confidence in God and who had more love pulsating in their hearts for people the farther along they went in ministry. Those were great conversations and great interactions and really meaningful relationships. But what I discovered through the years was they were just kind of rare, I noticed a different theme running around. The breakout groups I would go to or the lunch tables I would sit with, I'd sit with a group of clearly much more experienced pastors than me. They had like multiple letters behind their names. You know what I mean with that? Like all kinds of PhD this and doctor period that and decades worth of ministry in the church. And so I mean, clearly they had lots more experience. But the predominant theme was just kind of a cynicism. And there was like a, a jadedness there was this little kind of an aroma of self-righteousness about the whole thing they did not lack for jesus truth they could have given you a dissertation on fine points of systematic theology all day long the issue was somewhere along the way i don't know what happened but the jesus truth kind of got divorced from the jesus way and what i was missing what i was looking for was where's the jesus life where's the life Who's the profile in the New Testament of this character I'm describing? There was someone running around in Jesus' day who was actually living this way. It's called the Pharisees in the New Testament. They had stacks of religious books. If you were looking for an answer to a religious issue, you would go to the Pharisees. You'd go to the religious police. They had the flowing robes. They had the stack of books. They had the laws memorized. They could blow the whistle, throw the flag on anything on your life. But the issue was, what was missing Jesus had some of his harshest dialogue. What was missing? They had all the truth. They just missed the life. What it pulsating in their veins? And I think this is really critical as we go through Advent season because we're going to look at a lot of amazing truths, Jesus' truth. We got to weave the Jesus' truth with the Jesus' way to actually harvest out the Jesus' life. And if you've been on the receiving end of some Jesus' truth, done someone else's way besides Jesus' way. I just want to apologize on behalf of whatever occurred in that scene. didn't have anything to do with Jesus. And maybe this season finds you in a time where you're reinvestigating who Jesus is or you're thinking about coming back to your roots that way. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Look at Jesus for who he is. Look at his truth, his way, and I think you'll find his life. Because what was Thomas focused on? Thomas was... Notice Thomas's question. Jesus, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how the way to get there. His, his, Thomas was focused on location and direction. What was Jesus' response? Jesus' response turns it to relationship. What is he saying to Thomas? He says, Thomas, you're looking for the way? I am the way. This is a staggering statement. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Uh, uh, Thomas, if you, if you just do this, Just keep your eyes on me, follow me, listen to me, walk in my ways, listen to my voice. Thomas, just go where I go, follow me, and you'll know the way. You'll know the way. And I think about in our lives, this statement where Jesus makes now is probably one of the lightning rods in our culture today around the Christian message when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's the last part of verse 6 say? No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's Jesus saying, hey, you want to know the way, just let's be clear about this. I am the way. You're you're focused on direction and location. I'm going to focus on relationship. Thomas, just follow me. Just come to me. I am the way. And Thomas, if you keep your eyes on me, I'll get you to where you need to go. That's why... Long ago, I've come to the conclusion when I was first introduced to Jesus that if your religious system doesn't have Jesus at the center of it, you're not going to get to where you need to go. You're on the wrong road going the wrong direction. And just as exclusive as Jesus is, make no bones about it. Jesus' claim is exclusivity. We're not going to be gray on this issue. There's no way to misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, if you're not on my road, if you're not walking my way, you're not going to get to where you need to get to. You're not going to experience life with God now and life with God for eternity. He is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. There is no other route. He's not one of many ways. He is the way. And just as exclusive as Jesus is, hear this now, he's as inclusive as he is exclusive. Do you know it was Jesus who was always going after the people who were on the farthest fringes, who was hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners, who was looking for the leper and the blind and the forgotten and the overlooked? It was Jesus who was going to the Samaritan woman at the well, crossing all those cultural barriers, who was going to the leper and actually touching him. It was Jesus. It was Jesus who was as inclusive, he would go after the least likely and the most overlooked. Huh. He, he, look, look at us in this room. He'd go after the most ordinary among us. He just kept coming for us. He's as inclusive as he is exclusive. So in Jesus is saying, hey, there is no other way, but know this, no one is beyond his grace. He doesn't give up. He just keeps coming for us. He keeps coming for you. He keeps coming for me and he keeps coming for those in our lives that maybe you enter into this season and you long to sit beside some in your close circle of friends and family, you know, Jesus is still coming for them. That's part of Advent is a patient waiting. Is anybody in a season of waiting and kind of groaning in your waiting? I welcome you to Advent. This is the season of the year for you to wait. You know why the church initiated a 30-day preparation? Because they thought the incarnation of Christ, the coming of the Messiah was so important. The early church leaders got together and said, hey, human beings, we can't just rush into this thing. We can't just run into Christmas week, light some candles, sing some songs, and run off into a new year. No, it's too important. So they said, we're gonna take a period of four weeks and we're gonna wait and we're gonna expect and we're gonna pray and we're gonna hope and we're gonna prepare our hearts for Christ's arrival. And that's what Advent is. And this morning from John 14, I want us to see two things in his response to Thomas. I want you to notice how Jesus is being really clear with the way. That Jesus is saying, I am the way to the Father. The Jesus way is the way to be connected to God. And it's fascinating, right? So so basically, if you want to know what life fully alive spiritually looks like, you know, you're just supposed to look at Jesus. If you want to know what someone who's really thriving in the spiritual, look at Jesus. If you want to know how to be connected and relate to God, look at Jesus. Jesus is the way we connect to God. And the second part is, do you know Jesus is the way God comes to us? It's the Jesus way, it's the same way. So Jesus is the way we come to God and Jesus is the way God comes to us. It's two lanes on the same highway. It's the same road, it's called the Jesus way. It's the way we are connected to him and it's the way he has become connected to us. Do you see why it's so central for him to say Jesus' truth combined with Jesus' way equals Jesus' life? You can't take Jesus' truth and divorce it from Jesus' way because it's two roads on the same highway bringing Jesus life. The way up is the way down. I want you to look at Hebrews 1, 3. Fascinating statement when it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So the exact representation there, that's where we get our English word character. I put it in your notes, it's the word character. Character. And it means like a, an imprint. It's what they would use to uh, embrand things. They would engrave things. It would be like the, the way the metal is reflective when it's engraved. The substance of it was the same. So that's what Jesus is for the Father. So we ask the question, what does it mean to be connected to God? Jesus says, I'm the way. If you want to get connected to God, this is how you come to him. And then you say, well, how does God come to us? Jesus, same way. Same road, two lanes same highway the way up is the way down the exact representation of his being so you ap- you ask the question what is god like and jesus says well just look at me i reveal when you see more of who christ is do you know why it's so central that we're in the gospels in our spiritual life why are matthew mark luke and john so central why are the readings of the gospel central to this time of year Because it's the way we understand who God is and what his character is about. It's primarily manifested to us in his word, ultimately in the person of Jesus. So you see Jesus relating to people who are on the fringes in love. That's what the character of God's like. God loves those who are really, really hard to love. I'm really grateful for that and you see Jesus dealing with sin and saying you know what sin cannot have its presence with the holy god and how Jesus deals with grace and all of that and his blood covers over that you say that's what god's god's a god of grace in Jesus god's a god of holiness and demands a covering without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin you want to know what god's like you look at Jesus and say what kind of god does Jesus reveal Because the way up is the way down. The way we get connected to him, the way he gets connected to us, it's the same way. It's the Jesus way. So Thomas, you're asking a question about location and direction. Thomas, I want to draw you to relationship. Just put your eyes on me. And I want to encourage you, church, over these 30 days as we prepare for the coming and the arrival on the first entry, And some of you in that space in between, groaning and waiting, join in this season of waiting with what? Hopeful expectation. Because what does this season communicate to us? It says God did deliver. Now, it wasn't in the time frame the people wanted. You know how the people of God were... They were like, How much longer, Lord? All these years of silence, all these hundreds of years of waiting. The Messiah is supposed to come. Why did it take so long? Have you noticed God's timetable is much different than ours? And this season reminds us of that. God will come through, He will deliver on His promises, but most often, it's going to be slower than we prefer. He's on a different agenda, He's about something bigger. There's more than just coming through. There's about the who we're becoming while he's coming through and all that goes into that. So this season invites you into a hope-filled waiting and a hope-filled expectation that if you're in that space in between, you're not going to be there forever. You're probably going to be there longer than you prefer. But God will come through. And this is a season where it says, hey, look at this babe in the manger. Look at Christ. Look at him. I promised he would come and he did. And then we on this side of the manger go, you know what Jesus promised? In the same way you saw him exit Acts 1, you will see him return. And how many years goes by? Those of you who've lived a lot of years around the church, I mean, how many times have you heard the church get all wound up about Jesus is coming back on this day and this time? And I always see anytime somebody leaves those things on my car, You know, those little cards in your car about this is the date, time, place Jesus is going to return. I always think, well, Lord, I know there's one time you're not going to return. It's right there. You're not going to validate all them wackos putting all these things out. And plus, what did Jesus say? He said, you're not going to know the day, the time, or the hour. So you got all these predictions going on. What is filled with all that? Because there's this hopeful expectation. There's this groaning and this waiting. Do you long for your king to come back? Oh, I long for him to come back. And the church has been longing for 2,000 plus years. And it could happen at any moment, he could come. But here's what we hold on to. He will come. And Advent says he will come. Look back, did he come the first time? Yeah, we stand in the space in between. Will he come again? Yes, in Jesus' name, he will come again. And remember, it's two lanes on the same highway. The Jesus way. The way we're gonna have any... Right, full relationship with the God who gave us life, Jesus. And the only way we're going to have a right understanding about who God is, Jesus. Because Jesus is the way we come to God, and Jesus is the way God came to us. And church, that's the table in which we are going to be dismissed to in just a moment. Do you know the communion table? The bread and the juice, the communication is the way. This is the way for the people of God to be in relationship with the living God. It's this table. Where would we be without his broken body? Where would we be without his shed blood? We would have no life. We might have all kinds of spiritual truth, but we'd lose the life. This table is life to you and to me. It's the way. And this table open to anyone who's on the Jesus way. And in just a moment, we're going to have a little time of reflection together. Going to lead you through a little exercise because 1 Corinthians 11 says we should examine our hearts before we go to this table. What should we examine? What's direct, what direction is your life going? That's what you should examine. Lord, what, what path am I on? What road am I on? Run the tape out. Where does this go? If I stay on the road that I'm on, if I stay in the direction I'm going, where does this lead? And if it's not the Jesus way, get off that road Find a new road. Find Jesus' road. And the communion table, this is a time to reflect on that. And maybe you've known all about the Jesus way for a lot of years. Maybe you've drifted away from, you know, today you can come back. Or today you can come for the first time. So this table's an open table. As exclusive as Jesus is, he's as inclusive as he is exclusive. The issue is, it's him. He's at the center of it. So you come and you tear off the bread and you dip it in the juice. And in that, you do this in remembrance that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe you need prayer while we're doing this. We want to welcome and invite you to come up here. You can kneel up here for prayer. Maybe you've come. You've got some physical ailments. You'd like someone to pray for you. Physical sickness we will anoint you with oil and pray for you in that. Maybe it's a relational need. Maybe it's emotional need. You can come. And have prayer as we dismiss here in a minute for communion. Just come and kneel here at the benches on the side. We'll be glad to do that. And then for the first time, I think, we've had many requests on this issue. We have a gluten-free communion option. And so there are crackers at both stations in one of those glass containers. And the crackers are gluten-free. The bread obviously is not. So for those of you in need of that, you're welcome to take it in that way. But I have a stand together, I'm going to lead us through. A little exercise here from a prayer I came across. I left this prayer in your notes so you don't have to be distracted on trying to follow it along that way. Just I'd like you to just kind of close your eyes and I'd like you to just pause and before we go to the tables together, maybe here with friends and family, go together as a group and spread out all around this room if you'd like just to pray together and Obviously, parents, we've got a lot of kids with us today, so mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, this is a great time to talk very clearly with the kids about what's going on here. And, but before we do all of that, let's pause. And There was a Puritan prayer that was written called the Valley of Vision, and I'd like us to use it as a little examination time. The Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, That to have nothing is to possess all. That to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley is the place of vision. Lord, let me find thy light in my darkness. Thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. So, Lord, as we go to the table now, we do so in remembrance of you as the way, the truth, and the life. And we take these elements as an act of worship. From the depths of our hearts, we say thank you. Thank you for being a God of your promise. Thank you that you sent the Messiah. And thank you that we gather this Advent season with hope-filled expectation. That you are a God of your word. And you will come through personally and collectively So we go to the table now as an act of worship in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You're dismissed to either side here and take as much time as you need. And-